Big Mike and Hayes Entertainment here. Let's go. Today's episode, we got an absolute beauty. Darren McCarty, four times Stanley Cup champ. Here we go. Roll it up and fire it up. <laughs> hey guys, this is Darren McCarty, four times Stanley Cup champion in the Detroit Red Wings. And you're listening to Only Touching Greatness. The number one sports podcast in Vancouver with Brian Hayes and Big Mike. Roll it up and fire it Darren. Yeah, sorry boys, I'm going to probably look like that the whole time because there's something, oh there we go, <laughs> pop in and out, just trying to find something else. How you guys doing? Oh, good, 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 yourself? Good, who's Ryan? I'm Ryan by the way. Alright, and... Big Mike, right on, fellas. Are you? Uh, I see you got your, uh, your boss. You you got your. You, you know what's funny? I look in the background. It reminds me of my crib. Uh, yeah. The picture when I was six months old. I had that because they had the Vancouver Connects when I was born in Burnaby General. So um, as a baby, I had those. It was the remember the old flags they used to have the the banners or the pennants or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the those triangles. Those. Yeah, exactly. The triangles, exactly. So, and, and dude, you got old freaking Stan Smeal, uh, Vancouver there. Cooper all's on. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you grew up in Ontario, is that correct? Yeah, I was born in Burnaby General. Uh, that's, you know, I, that's me, Joe, me and Joe Sackick. That's where the uh, comparisons other than cup champions end. But, yeah, I grew, I grew up, uh, my mom was from Ontario and, Parents got divorced, and I grew up, uh, you know, in, in in Leamington, Ontario, which is the house I grew up on, give or take 10 minutes for the border, was 40 minutes from Joe Lewis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what made you get into hockey in the first place? Canadian, bro. What do you mean? <laughs> Perfect. Before you can walk, even though I, you know, didn't, didn't learn that. I actually started in net. But, uh, you know, it's the same, same story. You know what I mean? It's a, it's the national pa- you know, it's it's the pastime and we we uh laugh that you, you learn to skate before you learn learn to walk, but uh you know, it's pretty pretty much true and I just always had the passion for it. Um just I love the competitiveness. You know, it was different when I played because I always had checking. That was how I learned to stop. It was easier to hit people. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was uh something that I always loved. Uh, my first love, actually, growing up was was baseball. But I was better at punching people in the face than I was at hitting a curveball. <laughs> I the, so I made the right choice. But uh, you know, I was lucky growing up in uh, southwestern Ontario, where you know we're so Americanized as far as Detroit. To grow up in Detroit sports teams, and you know, to be able to cheer for the Red Red Wings when they were the Dead Wings. Um, and why? Because I had the Detroit Tigers who were winning World Series. So yeah, uh, it paid off in in the long run. I couldn't have. Uh, I'm I'm living every uh, every kid who's who's ever played hockey and wanted to play in NHL and um, for their hometown team. I lived it, and even more being able to win cups and you know even beat one guy one on one for a pretty good goal. Yeah. Uh, why did you wear number twenty five? And did you have any nicknames? That's a that's a great question. The twenty five story is because 
So when I, uh, when I was drafted in 92, I played my first year in Adirondack in the minors. And then the next year, um, I made the team out of training camp with Scotty Bowman's first year. Um, and so at the time, Micah Avazov, who's actually a Powell River BC boy, um, I played with him in the minors, and he made Detroit at the same time. And he had more tenure in the minors, so he got first choice. The choices were 14, 18, 25, 27. I don't like even numbers. He chose 27, or I would have, so I ended up 25, or I would have been 27. Yeah, did you play any other sports growing up? Baseball, and then I played rugby. Uh, I love rugby. You know, never got a chance to play football, but when I played uh, junior in Belleville in high school, after hockey season was out because we were done the first round, I go, I play rugby. So I, I, I love rugby and, uh, you know, like I, physical sports. I'm not a racket sport player. That's for, that's for guys like Draper like to run around. <laughs> <laughs> no. who, are your, who are your biggest influencers in your career? Uh, well, my, my two guys that I idolized growing up was Lance Pierce, the catcher of the Tigers, and Rick Tockett the captain for the Philly Flyers, just guy who could lead, score, fight. You know, I, I always, uh, you know, knew that. I was told at, a, at an early age, uh, if you want to make to the NHL, you got to do one thing better than 99.9% .9 of the rest of the people that play. And for me, it was going to be physical. So I was lucky that I was blessed with some talent, but I worked on it. And it was, uh, you know, something that uh, – we all like scoring goals, but some. But I know that I like team, and I like winning better. So it don't matter whatever role it is. I I love that about uh, you know hockey and to be in the situation that we were in in Detroit with all the Hall of Famers. I mean, you know now we're now we're building culture again. Just you know trying to do it with the, with the same guys. So we're gonna get there. It's just you know it's just one. Yep. Did you used to have a pregame meal or any rituals? I, I, yeah, you know, my biggest thing was that uh, um, I was always last on and off the ice. And after oh, yeah. uh, warm-up at home, uh, I always gave out about 15, 20 pucks in warm-ups. Because I always remember, I tell everybody, remember what it's like to be 12 years old. You go to a game, you want a puck, or you go to baseball, you want a ball, or something like that. So that was always a great connection. But uh, last always last out of the room. Um, and that was a great thing too, is that um, when I came back to Detroit in 08, after being gone for a couple of years, when I played in Calgary, and you got guys like Chelios and Lidstrom and everything like that. Right, right when I came back, it was right back to their DMAC at the end with Chelly in front of them, then Lidstrom. So guys have their own routines like that. As far as pregame meal, I was a big uh I, I like salmon on the road. You know, we have the, the, they have the big buffets, right? So just crushing, just crushing the buffet. But uh, you know, <laughs> the, the ice cream was the best part. You know, I mean, you just like, you know, guys would get on guys. Hey, fatty, have another ice cream. You know, guys would be walking out of there with eight scoops. But you, you miss the pregame meal. I mean, I do. Oh, yeah, for the, sure. The, I definitely remember you being the last guy on the ice. You guys had to do rock, paper, scissors one time, I believe. Me and Sandy McCarthy, yeah. yeah. I, I remember Don Cherry, uh, and, and he that was his tradition too. So what I tell people, I go, well, you know, you got to make deals. You know, there's, there's deals to be made in those situations, and fair and square, I lost, so I had to go first. But because we did that, and he's such a good guy too, and for, for a couple of – 
us uh, sluggos to be able to do that and put a little smile on everybody's face. That's the civility of, uh, of the tough guys, I guess. But I yeah. lost fair square, so I went in. I think we won the game, though, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, good friend of the show, Shane Corson, told us a ritual he had. He used to skate back out on after the after the warm-ups was done. The opposing team would leave the bench, and he would skate back out there and put an extra puck in the net just to make sure. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and if nobody's out there to catch him, yeah, know, like you should ask, you should ask some of those guys. Some of those older guys that played out west that they used to go down the other end of the net ice and steal the other team's net. That's why in the dub they had to do two separate warm-ups because one team would steal all the pucks. And, then, you know, when they when you got, like, you know, Baumgartner and Manson and Kosher and all these killers on the team, the other team couldn't warm up. <laughs> I thought that was, that's, that's old school, bro. Absolutely. Watering down the bench, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. We, we heard about the odd story where people would drop sand on the bench. I tried that in beer league. It didn't go so well. There's another one also where I unscrewed the, the uh, referee's bottle in the penalty box, and when he went to go drink his water, it went all over him. <laughs> well, Hazy, that's not really a good idea to do to the ref, bro. <laughs> I mean, like, let's say, uh, you know what, like, he's just looking for a reason. Unless you could, unless that's the perfect setup. For the somebody else who goes in there, right? You know, I, I like your style. But, uh, <laughs> I you know, always a little off top, a little off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I always see. Do it to the opposite goalie's water bottle next time. Exactly. That'll, that'll really that that'll get him off his game, and then he'll be chasing you around, and one of your lineys got empty netter. Hey, that's that's a brilliant idea. Actually, I'm gonna have to try to pull that off this year in beer league. I got four cups, bro. I got a lot of brilliant ideas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to get into those four cups here shortly. Hey, uh, drafted 46th overall in 92. Uh, probably one of the biggest drafts there was, the 1992 draft. Um, what was the feeling taking back to that day? It was in Montreal Forum, the old Montreal Forum, and I, it couldn't have been more exciting. I mean, I still remember as my name was being called, and you sort of like, – and, and – to me, it was I thought Detroit might grab me late in the first. I come off my OHL season winning player of the year and leading the league in goals. And my favorite, my favorite out of not winning player of the year, you know, all the awards, the, my favorite thing is that Kirk Maltby had a great, you know, fellow member of the grind. I had a phenomenal 50-goal season his last year in junior. DMAC at 55. And you know what? I got Maltz trained, so when I bring that up about Junior, he already admitted. So if you get, if you ever talk to Kurt Bob, you just say, "Hey, I heard you had a great uh, Junior year." <laughs> yeah, Darren McCarty told me. He'll go right into it. But um, we've been trying was, to get Maltz beyond, actually. Yeah, good. Good luck with that. It's try try to get him to return a call, right? <laughs> like I mean, that's dude. I mean, come on, man. It's uh, he's he's notor he's notorious, but I'll let him know I talk to you guys. But um, back to the draft, it was it was one of those feelings, literally, of of uh, leveling the electricity from your toes to your head. You know what I mean? It, it, it was just the unbelievable, and the fact that it was it was Detroit. I was because I was worried because they passed on me in the first and. And Ottawa had a, had a first pick in the second round. And those are the two teams that were talking to me the most before the draft. Um, 
You know, I mean, that would have been, you know, you just want to get drafted, you know, obviously. And me being somebody, uh, somebody who was always knocked on their skating, I wouldn't be, you know, I was tough enough and I had skill, but I wouldn't be able to keep up and skate. Well, you know, that was always something I worked on. It was always going to be my Achilles heel. And it was always something that I was going to put the time in to get better at because I was not going to be denied. And, you know, like, I... You know, one of those things is like a lot of people tell you, you know, like they'll talk about it, but you got to really be about it. And I'm one of the ones that is going to, you know, go head first. I, I mean, I don't like to, like I said, all, my superstition or my, my routine is to be last on and off, but it's first into battle, right? You get by me, I'm dead. You know, I gave it my all. You, you know, you guys are on your own, but you know, when battle comes, I'm leading the way, but I got to make sure everybody's accounted for. It's almost like, you know, herding the cattle. Yeah. What was the biggest jump for you from going to – from Belleville to the NHL, obviously? Well, you know what? It wasn't the physical play or anything like that. It might have just been, you know, the pace The pace where where I played on a great team in, in Adirondack. And, and, I mean, I had 45 majors that year, fought every tough guy there was. So I knew I could handle myself um against against you know men right because you're fighting you're against men and it was just like the speed of the game and just you know you get to it but you got to understand when you're a Detroit Red Wing coming in with all these talented guys your practices are are phenomenal so it was something that you didn't think about but you know guys that like when Shani came to our team and and you know, he would say, man, these practices are unbelievable. And then you don't think about it, but yeah, I got to practice against Nick Lindstrom every freaking day. <laughs> the game's going to be easier. Yeah, that's for sure. And you guys were part of that really good dynasty back in the day. I mean, the Eisenman, Fedorov, you guys, Holmstrom, hey. Malpe, Draper. I mean, Osgood. I can go off Hey, yeah. yeah, and for sure. Konstantinov. Like, Konstantinov in the first one. You know, yeah, and uh, what do you think of those Fedorov white skates? Those are one of my favorites. They stand out from my childhood as being something I always wanted to own. Well, when you – hey, put it this way. <laughs> it's it's like it's like the Air Jordan – it seemed perfect. I think it was 94 is the year you won the heart or whatever like that. Is that – like he looked – they looked – Perfect for him. Yeah. They wouldn't look good on me. I couldn't use them. What, what's somebody, you know, he's, he's ruining those skates, you know, but <laughs> Fedorov pull it, could pull it off. So, that, you know, and, that, and that's the great thing about Sergey and, and his personality or whatever like that is that, you know, that, that's his style. You know, that was so Sergey's style. You know what I mean? Just I thought they were cool. Yep. yep, I did too. I love Stevie them. Would, Stevie wouldn't let me wear them, but <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I loved them for sure. A guy in my beer league team actually has the same one still. Right on. 90, 96, 97 season, you had your career year, putting up 19 goals, 30 assists, a uh, total of 49 points. Uh, what do you credit to having such a successful season? Ice time. Ice. I get to play and get to, well, I mean, I'm playing with, I think that year I played couple months with uh, Shanahan and Larianov. I think okay. I played 14 games and had 14 points, like seven goals. You know, the, the one thing about that season, which I'll remember, and I'm not going to bitch because of the way it ended, right? But I hit 
six games left. I hit three posts. Um, you know, I could not get get that twentieth goal. That's the if you have a, I'm I'm not I don't have a regret because God paid me back with the last goal of the year. You know, the the clincher. So, um, but I, but play, you know when you're playing with great guys and and getting an opportunity and, and playing on the power play and you look at the minutes when you play 15 minutes a game you can put up 20 goals. You know when you play 10 minutes a game, you know you you'd be lucky. You know just 12, 15, and if you're playing six, you know you try to get five, 10. But it's all about what role you're playing and 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 embracing if you want to win. You know, it's embracing, you know, being a cog in the wheel. That's what I tell my beer league team, too. If they want to win, <laughs> put me on the ice. <laughs> put you on the ice in the dressing room? Just ice you down? Is that what it means? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. For me, the better. You just got to tell them, come on, boys. It's a hazy day out there. Let me go. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Loved watching you play as a kid and uh, playing on one of the best lines I've seen, the grind line with Malpe and Draper. What was that like? Um, well, I used to, I don't know how many times I'd go into a scrum and, and there'd be sticks flying around, pushing, shoving, and all I'd hear from the other team is, how do you do it? How do you stick up for these assholes? And I'm like, yeah, they're assholes, but they're my assholes, right? Yeah. So, and and you know what it is is just we are as tight off the ice as we were on the ice. You know, I throw Martin Lapointe, Matt Dandino, and Ozzy in there too, as far as us younger guys. So we did everything together, and it was just we came out of the OHL. Drake came out of the killer system. I came out of Mavs system, and we all have an affinity of playing the role and keeping and and what we loved is not only shutting down the other team's best players, making it hard on whatever D, you know, I remember almost, I mean, I put Kopp out of this, Paul Coffey out of the series in Philly in game two with a hit on the boards. And I remember I almost put Peterson Boda in the fifth row, first shift of the, of that 97 season. So it was, you know, like the, the best part is, dude, we have a line named after us that you kids in friggin' Vancouver know what it is and know exactly who it is. And it was because, and then it wasn't just that part, but it was like when just say two out of 10 times that the big fellas can't go, it'd be grind line go time. And one of us would uh, go out there. And like I said, both Maltz and I are 50 goal guys in, in junior drapes, is, you know, sulky one or 20-some goals. I mean, it could be a 40-goal scorer if you could score on a breakaway. That would be something <laughs> to play. You know, so, so um, it all worked out. But, but all of us took pride. You know, I could say that Drake's number one was, was winning face-offs. Maltz's was blocking shots. And mine was get bring that puck my way, and I will get it out. I mean, speaking of Vancouver, I remember in 02, there's a picture in SI coming out, and I literally, and I knew Brian Helmer from back in the Belleville days, but I literally, it looks like I just sacked him. You know, because it used to be the puck fired around hard, and Larry Murphy was the best at it. He knew that I would be there and, and go to war with that D-man, not even have to touch the puck. You know, the rules were different, but, you know, that the, those are the things that we took pride in just as much as, the Federals and Shanahan's and Eisman's did scoring goals. Everyone had their role. 
Yeah. That's why you guys were such a good team. And I couldn't stand playing and watching the Canucks play against you guys for years. And you had the dynasty and yeah, part of that whole run, you guys were like the longest team in a long time to not make the playoffs. Right. Well, you know, and, and, and in this day and age, you know, if you're if you're running that like even pre lockout oh four or even a little bit post up until ten, you see how that's detrimental to a system in today's game, right? Because yeah. you're just hanging on. So you don't want to hang on. You wanna you wanna fall into, you know, what the Rangers fell into. No, which, yeah. which which I but like let me ask you guys as Vancouver fans, and I'm saying as Detroit, because I think that I could logically say, well, I mean I it should be the way that it used to when the last place picks first or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like if anybody gets screwed out of this, it's our team. Yeah. Beyond yeah, that, but, 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 but who cares about that? Because if Eisenman and Draper are that freaking good, they're going to go find somebody at four. Yeah. But, but I think that for that first pick and the schmazzle, the way that it, that everything or the way that it could end it up, it ended up perfect. Because yeah, it wasn't Edmonton, Toronto, Edmonton didn't it wasn't get it. Edmonton, it wasn't yeah. Pittsburgh, right? Like we can all agree. Yeah, great yeah. New York, right? If and and also too, because you guys they're in the East, and I don't even care, right? But a great New York will only make the league and everything else better. So in the long run, I think we can all agree that you know it, it worked out. Uh, Batman, I don't know how he did it, but he did. He's done a great job with this bubble. I mean, I can't. I'm the I'm the harshest critic of them, you know what I'm saying for ruining my game. But it's not my game anymore, so I'm not going to be the old guy, you know. But oh. I'm going to say I'm going to say, you know, with the bubbles and the hockey and the games and man, I watched did, did the Tampa game yesterday. I threw it back on and thinking, why are they replaying this game? Where's the other game? And it was like <laughs> I looked up and it's like fifth. Old, what? I mean, yeah. geez. Poor Kelly Rudy lost. Poor Kelly Rudy lost his record last night. Oh, his saves record. Yeah, dude, how that that corpus? So Manny Legacy is the goalie coach in, in Columbus. We won yep. a cup, and, and he's a good buddy of mine, and um, he loves the kid. That corpus says it's a hard worker. He says he said Bobrovsky is one of the hardest workers and, and just, you know, as far as goalies go, but they, they says he's lucky and this kid's the real deal. And he proved it last night. Absolutely. And uh, I, you guys saying the Canucks, as we were talking about the draft and the lotto or everything, um, Canucks have been screwed on the draft lotto for the last few years and Detroit, they don't have to worry. They're going to take a good kid probably named Cole Perfetti. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, maybe, but you know what? You're going to whine to me you got Kip Quinn Hughes? Give me a yeah. freaking breath. You're going to whine to me that it didn't work out and you got well, Quinn Hughes. Well, well Pace, Just, you, you, hey, you guys love him for us. No, no, I, hey, dude, I I get it. I didn't leave shit, bro. I'm doing <laughs> PR marketing. That's Stevie and Drake's, but no, and he's a local kid, so that's why great family, great pedigree. Love it, and you know what? Like, no, it's it's always nice to to see, like, but that's where you see there's diamonds in the rough. You never know, right? But, you never know. And and if I gave you that pick back, like we fe we fell into one with Zadina though. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, he's he, we needed that sniper and we got him. So I mean, everything falls 
the way it should. It's all about how the culture's run and how the team at the top's run. And I've met Philip Zena before. He's a good guy. He took time to give me an autograph and say hello, take a picture with me. So he's, he's a good guy, too. We fucked up when we took Yolevi instead of Kachuk. Okay. Well, there you go. We so can, you we guys all agree. But, it's, but, but again, you know, because you're dealing with – this is an NFL – you're dealing with 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. You know what I'm saying? There's and, – and did you really screw up? Maybe he's a late bloomer, bro. But you, you screwed up. You screwed up in instant – I mean, you're not going to – Matthew Kachuk is Matthew Kachuk. He's a special, he's a special pain in the ass player, right? You know, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, that you need on your team to win championships. He's a Brad Marchand. He's a yep. – that can play, but, you know, can play that way. He's you Brad know? Marchand's twin. Hey, I look like Brad Marchand, and I uh, – the, be- the beak's definitely the same fucking size. You, you do. Do you shoot left? Uh, no, I'm a right-hander, but I'm like five feet tall. My favorite player was Seal Flurry. I bang out there. I slash. I hack. And that's why my beat got crooked. Some I was doing too much talking and not enough listening. <laughs> I like it, though, bro. Yeah. Well, you, you, I can see mine on the screen. You look at that thing. That's the nice hook. That's why hey. you see yeah, we can't, hey, we can't see you writings all the time. Hang on, Darren. We can't actually see you. It's a black screen the whole time. It's been a black screen the whole Is time. We, really? never, want, we yeah. never wanted to say anything to you. I don't know. What the f- yeah, I don't know either. But hey, who cares? It's, it's all good. It's all good. We're still getting the questions. We're gonna do an audio, and we'll get you back for a second time. Maybe you and Shane Corson. That'd be great. What was it like uh, playing for the goat, Scotty Bowman, one of the smartest and most successful in hockey? Well, we used to call him Rain Man, not to his face, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like just because he's the smartest guy you'll ever meet. And when and the best thing you can do is just understand and realize that uh, that he's five moves ahead. And the, and here's the difference, right? With Scotty, you could hate what he said, but at the end of the day, you knew he knew best, and you knew it was all about the team and it was about winning the championship. Right? That's the the whole uh, the whole point with Scotty Bowman. Now, you know, I'm grateful to him because he brought me into the league, and and you know, I played a shit ton of games under him, and you know, my. My Hall of Fame moment was after we won the Cup in 02. We were at Mr. and Mrs. Illich's, standing out over top of this enormous just fountain of shrimp cocktail. I mean, it was like the most disgustingly huge, awesome thing ever. Unlimited Scotty, Little Caesars. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then Scotty came up and he said uh, one of the things that he regretted is he didn't tell his players how much he appreciated them. And I was like, oh, thanks, Scotty. I appreciate it. He goes, no, shut up. You're my second favorite right winger ever to play for me next to Guy Lafleur. I hope you're not mad. And boom, he's gone. So I got that going for me. I was looking around. I think there's this um, this this server right there that was walking away. That I was like, you heard that right? No, and so it was. Uh, but Scotty's uh, one of the most unique people you'll ever meet in your life. Um, but he's got a photographic memory, and he's just. He's just smarter than you are. So just I was lucky enough to I was lucky enough to meet him for thirty seconds at the Vancouver Giants game last year. And uh, yeah, it was pretty special, not gonna lie, meeting a legend like that. Yeah, the guy tried to ditch me and then ran upstairs to go see Scotty Bowman and left me sitting downstairs with my date. Like, come on man, I would have left my date to meet Scotty Bowman. <laughs> 
Priorities are hazy. Priorities, <laughs> kid. I mean, it's all right. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Well, He's got a different date every night of the week. It's not like you, it's not like you can see Scotty Bowman every night. No. Look at that. Look at that. Look at the Of course he does. Fucking <laughs> hey. apart. Him and Tim Hunter were having a nose fight on here a couple of oh, weeks back. And Tyson Nash was giving me shit the other time, and Rob Ray. <laughs> <laughs> What's your opinion on Mike Babcock? Well, here's the difference. Like I said, right. The difference between Scotty Bowman, a Scotty Bowman culture, and a Mike Babcock culture, um, is like you said that there's a respect, right? There's a, there's a Scotty at least you know never lost. He'd say some stuff to you, but he would never disrespect you as a human being. I wouldn't, you know, Mike Babcock, and you know I get along with Babcock, but um, and I only speak on the time that I was there. And all the stuff that came out, you know, about Franzen and stuff later when I wasn't there, I could see how it happened because, um, you know, sometimes uh, um, when he would do things, it would be, you know, you'd have to wonder. Uh, the best way to say it is that Scotty Bo when Scotty Bowman, it was always the Detroit Red Wings head coach, Scotty Bowman. It's always, and no matter what it is, it's always Mike Babcock, head coach, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mike Babcock, head coach, team. It's always me. Then, you know, there's no, and in this sport, bro, it's not the name on the back, it's crest on the front. And, and you know, the, that's a big reason is, is with Stevie back and Drapes and everything, it's, it's, it's a culture thing. And it's more of a Scotty culture and more of a win-win and expectations and, and how you treat people. So... You know, I, I, I'm not that, but, but, I, and when I say that, and I get along, but I also believe that everybody's entitled if they, if they change their ways or if they, you know, have, you know, I, I'm the first one that, you know, I've had a second chance, third chances, you know, finally trying to, trying to figure it out. And uh, so, um, do I think that, that he'll coach again? I, I do believe he'll coach again. You know, so it just sometimes it's, you know, it's just I could see it coming, you know, because it just it wears off. You know that that message and and that way and and you know I don't know. The um yeah, uh, Mike Commodore also was not a big fan. Tommy's a big fan. Tommy's a huge yeah. fan. Just ask Tommy what he thinks of him. But yeah, they yeah, are not not fan. But no, but but then if you like, okay, and he will tell you why. And I wouldn't be. A, I'm not a fan of a guy who lies. I'm not a fan of you know. You do you know like there's certain things that that. It's a good thing I wasn't there. You know what I mean? And remember, I I was a salary cap guy, so I got bought out. So I was making too much when the cap came around. I went to Calgary, so. That's a good thing that I wasn't there then. To, for me to come back and to, to be a part, I knew I had a role, and he knew that he needed me in that room because that's, you know, these are my guys. And, and the, the question, you know, the, the, the real question and, and the interview to be is to get that Simpsons out of her. And if you could get them to, to give you their feelings on it. <laughs> those, those are the, but those are the guys who were there the whole time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can only go by, you know, the things that I've heard, but I wasn't there. And I only talked about what, you know, you, what, what, you what I saw, my experience. That's fair. 
Take me back to your first Stanley Cup, 96-97. You guys swept the Flyers, and you got the cup-clinching goal in game four. You remember it, and do you still got the puck? Uh, beat one guy one-on-one my whole career, um, and that was it. Yanni Ninema, poor guy. Ronnie Hextall, but, uh, yeah, I, I have the stick puck in a uh, jersey in a, in a frame, um, storage, stored away in a nice, safe place, but uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the joke behind it is because I scored with in the second period, halfway through the second, to make it 2 nothing. Well, I always tell everybody, because I go, oh, I do uh, Darren McCarty slaps the comedy tour, and I go, well, you know who my first Christmas card goes to every year? And they're like, Steve, you know, no, fuck him. Uh, Eric, <laughs> Lind- <laughs> Eric Lindros, captain of the Flyers. Why? Because he scored with 13 seconds left. Not only did he make my goal the cup clincher, but it also gave me my most memorable moment of Joe Louis Arena because with 11 seconds left as a face-off outside the blue line, Eiserman, Shanahan, Lidstrom, Konstantinov, and McCarty on the ice. And I remember that draw to this day because if you see what had happened, um, sort of one, there was really not any problem, and they threw it in, and I was the furthest one away from our net. When the buzzer went and I turned around, the streamers came out of the stands. The guys came off the bench. The fans went nuts from blue line to blue line, heading towards the net. It was so loud. It was silent. Never forget it. Then I smoked the pile. Smoked Marty LaPointe. We ended up sliding through the pile. I was like, you all right, Bulldog? He's like, yeah, we won here. So <laughs> hey, it was uh, awesome. What was it like to finally get your hands on Claude the Mew, who is one of the, one of the guys I mirrored my game after? I would have ripped your face right off. <laughs> yeah, and take like, us back to take us back to what like, started all the beef. Well, here's the thing, guys. Let me break this down, okay? Because because in life and in sports, bad things happen, but you cannot lose respect for a fellow human being. Okay, so rewind the Troy Red Wings. I make I make team in ninety three ninety four. We lose to San Jose in the first round to win the Presidents Trophy. We go to the finals against Jersey, who we play against Claude Lemieux. They beat us. They sweep us. They embarrass us. Right. Um, the next year he gets traded to Colorado, and in Game Six, and these are like this is Pat. We chase Patrick Waugh out of Montreal. Gets traded to Colorado, <laughs> which is like probably the. At the time, people would think of the worst thing that we could have done, but it was actually the best because sometimes the only way out is through. So through this intensity and building this rivalry, you know this rivalry, we're going to have to go head-to-head for years, right, with the talent, the age, and everything else, and the teams, Detroit, Colorado, in the mid-'90s till, you know, from 96 until 02, you know, it was always had to go through each other, right? So – so it ends up in game six of the 96, 95, 96 playoffs. Centerman Chris Draper, the grind line. Claude Lemieux runs him from behind. And it's right in front of me on the bench. Like literally, uh, he hits him from behind, and I hear Drapes' face. It's like a it's oh. like a hard single, wooden bat, crack, crushes his orbital, right? You know, don't know what's going on. Whatever, after we lose, after the game, you find out. Now, here's the problem. Like I said, in life and sports, things happen. But the fact Claude Lemieux says you, uh, he's not sorry, he wouldn't change anything, 
that you would never would have heard of Chris Draper. Whew, wow. I mean, that, I take that really personal. Chris Draper is not only the center of the grind line, he's my best friend, right? He's my best friend. So here's the thing that I put to everyone. This is in May of 1996, right? March 26, 97 is 10 months away. So not only do I have to think all summer long, every day, every night, stewing on how I'm going to get this guy, how I'm going to do it, and as the season goes on, they beat us. So not only, oh, I forgot to caveat that fact, the 95-96 season, oh, we set the NHL record at 62 wins, right? Which Tampa doesn't tie because of the new three-point system. I don't give them credit. So it's on <laughs> record. <laughs> and so then we got beat by Colorado. And then you, because we were in the Western Conference but not in the same division, we, or we played each other four times. First three times um, – one time in Colorado, because Lemieux didn't play the first two games, and in Colorado, and I was on the ice once, but I didn't really have a chance, and I was going to wait to do it at home. But we lost the games to him. So, so as Brendan Shanahan in the Russian Five movie so pointedly put it, is that, yeah, the revenge and all that stuff is great, but we had to win the game, right? We had to – sometimes the only way out is through. So after thinking about it for 10 months, I was driving myself crazy, and I, I – Tell people, please, you use this. Feel free. I got down on my knees at the beginning of March and said, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to drive myself fucking insane. I'm trying to stay sober at the same time. All this stuff. I said, just whatever happens, please let me be the messenger. And if you could see my face right now, my eyes would be wide open. My mouth would be wide open. And it'd be like, do you think he listened? Holy <laughs> crap. Because I couldn't. And if you gave it to Scorsese, Ford Coppola, freaking Spielberg, Tarantino, any of the greatest directors, they could not write the storyline. I could not write the storyline as great as it was. How did it play out? Well, I know, and nothing said between anybody. The only thing that was ever said was between me and Drake when I got him out of the hospital two days later when the doctor gave me the pliers to cut his wires from his mouth. I got in the car and I said two things. I looked at him and I said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I said... Where do you want to eat? Because, you know, a guy with his jaw wide and shut, you know, I knew he wanted to eat gnocchi, you know, his little potato dumpling. It takes a guy with his jaw wide and shut four hours to eat a plate of gnocchi. I mean, it's disgusting. But I was drinking then, so I was out on a boat. So I was fine. Don't worry about me. But back to the game. So March 26 comes, and no, he's on the ice, and it just so happens, like I said, I was playing with Shanahan and Larianov, and whistle inside the blue line. I look over, and there's Igor Larianov. The only bigger pacifist in life I could find was Gandhi than Igor Larionov. <laughs> absolutely. And you guys know him from out there. Um, right? So We, we love um, Larionov out here. <laughs> well, absolutely. And uh, so the whole point is him in Forsberg, and I see Igor's had enough and just swats him, and I'm like, oh, it looks like puppies on Christmas morning. Boom. But then I, I know Lemieux's on the ice. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, like it's Shark Week, right? I'm like, boom, Shark Week, where is he? And Adam Foote grabs me. Adam Foote's strong. And he's got me tied up, and I can't get loose. And then Shani comes over, breaks, double arm smash, breaks my arms loose. I pop out, avoid uh, the linesman, and 
And think about it, fellas. How many times have I seen this guy's face with what I would do to it? So well, I say, don't be afraid of what you ask for or wish for, but be ready when it comes because it might only be there for a split second. And the caveat to it all, guys, I'm a lefty. I mean, the, the left is like accurate. The right's heavier, but it's just, it, it's like, it's just like a Tiger Woods on a bad day with a driver. It's just everywhere, right? Except for this time. Because when I pulled it back, every man, woman, and child in, in the wing wheel nation that wanted to kick his ass, every fan, every hockey fan, every person that wanted a piece of this guy's ass from Cam Neely to whoever else, right, was in that punch. And I hit him so hard. He even said it's the hardest he's ever been hit. Said he didn't turtle, he said he was out. And I didn't care because I was trying to rip his, I was trying to put my fist through his, through his helmet, through his head, and rip out his heart through his nose. And I know it's not anatomically possible, but I was still trying to do it because it's better than stepping on his throat with my skate. Even that would have been too far, <laughs> right? Even Hazy knows that would have been, leave it too, that's hey. even, like, you even know that would have been, that would have been too much. Oh, but yeah. The best, the best part, I don't know what's going on behind me. I don't know Waz almost got me. Shane, he's fighting this because all I see, I can't get him. And, and you know what? It was like church. And the, the beams came down, and I look, and there's drapes right there. And I took Lemieux's head, and I bulldogged it, slammed it into the boards as hard as I could. It made a blood splat on the Comerica Bank sign. How do I know that? Because I signed, <laughs> I signed it for the president. And he hung it in his office. And, 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 then, and then I tried to knee him, which, which, you know, the linesman said that, that I was off balance, just saying old school. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we got him. But the, the whole caveat to that with the goalies fighting and, oh, here's my caveat, by the way. Um, for, for anybody who's having a bad day, it could be a lot worse. This is what I think of. You could be Patrick Waugh. And I'm not saying that because I own the guy. I mean, I'm, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, but, I mean, I blew so many over his love. wasn't even funny. Hey, but think about this. He got his ass kicked by a 50-year-old midget cowboy goalie, Mike Vernon. Came back and fought a 12-year-old Chris Osgood the next year and got beat. I mean, and then, and then we end his career in game 7 or 2, and he retires. So when I'm having a bad day, shut up! <laughs> well, you get my dog going. You get my dog going. Over here. <laughs> hey, uh, and then you went out. Then you went out and scored the winner in OT to well, top that's off. It. Here's the thing, right? So the caveat is 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 all the shenanigans and everything goes on. We get the revenge, but we're down five three in the third, and that's the that's the thing. We tie it up, and the joke to the whole thing is that I got. Four minutes for roughing and a 10-minute misconduct for doing something I probably would have got 20 games for these days. And, and, and I scored the overtime winner. And it was at that moment that I say, it doesn't matter on the team, anywhere in the city, in the state, in the country, in the world, in the universe, Red Wing Nation, it was a proverbial sigh of relief. It's going to be all right. I don't know what that means, but we're going to be okay. And then, you know, that propelled us believe we had a huge psychological advantage even after we lost game one in conference finals and you know all those bad things and all this stuff 
that that we went through taught us taught us how to to be there at the end and finally get over the hump. So did did you have a favorite sports movie growing up? You know, sports sports movie. You know, you get. I mean, you love the slap shots and and you know different things like that. But I was a huge one of the the ones that I loved was Hoosiers, Gene Hackman and Jimmy Chitwood and, and stuff like that. So that was always uh, a big one. Uh, you won three Stanley Cups, all with the Red Wings in '97, '98, 2002. After a short stint in Calgary, you went back and won another one, 2008. What was it like going back? It was awesome just because of where I was at. And it was one of those things that uh, coming out of my fourth rehab. Um, and it was one of those things that I was always taught in the way that I live is, is I don't live with regrets. So to be able to, and, and I was willing to do whatever it took. And I, I just thought I had something left. And, and so I went and I played in the IHL in Flint, got a tryout with Detroit Grand Rapids, first game in Grand Rapids. I scored a hat trick. And you know, proved myself enough to to play three games in the regular season and then get on the playoff roster. And I end up playing 17 out of the 22 playoff games and even scoring a goal. So that's one of the things I'm most proud of. And, and tell people is that if you know, it's it's all what you're willing to put in to get out. And you know, for me, at the end of the day. Um, you know, we're, we're like, a, it's like a family, you know, here. And, and that's the, the great organizations in any sport. And it doesn't have to be professional. It's just great organizations, minor hockey organizations, minor sports organizations, high schools, you know, whatever it is, it's the culture. So it's no different than, than what you guys, you know, are trying to do there. And it's just, you know, I, I'm just fortunate and, it's, it's not now, you know, I'm 48 years old and I've been retired since like 09. I got so many different things going. But the one thing is, is that we're all just as close as we were 25 years ago. That's how it should be. Yeah. And uh, what was it like celebrating after you win the championship? At the post bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Dude, that was – put it this way. The post bar, there was one of them back in 93 when we started and when we won the cup. After we won the second cup, there were seven of them. So, I mean, uh, we did pretty good, but um, don't, nobody ever paid for a beer in that bar. But that the greatest story about the post bar is – and if you've never been to the post bar, there's no windows. It's just, like, literally like a long bar, and it, you walk – in through this big friggin' big door and then the DJ booth's there and then the bar runs a whole length of the way and it's just slammed and we got the cup in there and everybody's drinking out of it and everything and Joey Kosher's got his Rangers cup ring on <laughs> and, and he's passing the cup around and whatever and his ring slips off and right then everybody they stop the music and they turn the lights on and they go Joey lost his ring you got how many people? 200 people looking. Some girl, here it is. All right, gives it back to Joey, and then put music back on. But, I mean, that's the – you know what I mean? And everything just stopped and found the ring, and it was like party went on. So Hopefully we bought that girl a drink. <laughs> um, one of the things that, that we say is that if you didn't drink out of the cup, then you weren't around long enough. You weren't around back then because we yeah. had it everywhere. Fair enough. 
had a bunch of dust-ups in your career. One of the toughest guys in the league, obviously. Uh, you went with uh, a lot of the tough guys like Rouse, the late Probert, McSorley, Brashier, and Brad May. Uh, which ones are more memorable than the other? And uh, who would you say the toughest guy would be? I know well, we, had, uh, we had Tim Hunter on, and he said uh, Nick Fatu was his toughest. Yeah. And uh, we just had Gino Ojic on just before you, and his toughest was uh, Dave Brown. Yeah, the, 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 the two, like, the guys that, you know, Brad May, Brad May was a guy that, that uh, I, you know, he was a year older than I, I was, and he was a guy that I emulated my style after, along with, like, the Tockets and, and stuff like that. So we played a similar style. We, we battled a few times, and we fight the same way. So, so give it, you know, give and take, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, guys like Joey Kosher, Tony Twist, you know, guys that will end your career. And I'm not, I'm not a heavyweight, right? I, I, you, you fight, like I said, give me a punch in the face contest where we're going to get cut and we're going to, you know, break a nose or, you know, get scar, you know, chicks dig scars. It's just true. You know, make money, score goals. Get girls, get scars. Right there, see? Look at Hazy's just sitting right there. Out of boy. See, he knows what I'm talking about. But hey, um, we, tried to get Brad, we tried to get Brad May on with you tonight. Oh, you did? Oh, that's awesome. He's a, uh, he's a good buddy. We do a lot of uh, uh, charity hockey games and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, and you know what? Who's a really good buddy because he's here is uh, Bert Bertuzzi. Big Bert, yeah. Yeah. Big Bird, so I see him a lot, and I love Big Bird, bro. Well, if you could put in a good word for Big Bird, we've been a big fan of him. He knows me as Mini Don Cherry because I go to the Canuck games and I dress up as Don Cherry. Oh, yeah, that's you? Yeah, I that's me. I've seen you before, bro. Yeah, that's me. I dress up as Don Cherry at the Canuck games, and I give thumbs up and take pictures with people. There's no then... way you're five foot tall. He yeah, is. Like oh, yeah, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hey, hang on. There's five feet. Now look at six five. <laughs> oh, hey, I like it. <laughs> that's awesome. So you've seen the mini Don Cherry guy? I have. Oh, that's me, 100. percent Swear on I my know. life. I'm gonna. I'm. A, I'm gonna look for it. Well, I mean, I can't. I won't see you this year. I'll look for you next year. Yeah, put in a good word with me to Todd Bertuzzi. We're trying to get a hold of him. Yeah, he's uh, he's off the radar right now. I uh, bet. Yeah. What's that? What was it like going with the late Probert? I mean, uh, he was definitely one of the toughest guys ever to play. Yeah, he and he was a great friend too. You know, I mean, I, you know, growing up in Essex County and you know knowing Bob and stuff like that, and you know, it was. That, you know, you don't look forward to, but this is one of those things is the way guys play. And, and like I said, you know, we, we're on the same team. You're not on my team, and the, the game goes down. I know that we fought that time because he punched Steve. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not going to go down no matter nope. who it is. You know, like sometimes, dude, sometimes the anticipation a lot of times, you know, with me, it was I had to be prepared, so I always knew what to expect. And then it was it was like I preached to anybody else: you have to know defense first. So it's more of a jujitsu what you're up against, and then, and then you know it's a lot easier when you when you learn early that you can take a punch. And then the, the what I tell everybody is: if you see it coming, it's not going to hurt till later. <laughs> you know, if you don't see it coming, you might wake up later. Your uh, your book, 
my last fight, the true story of a hockey star. How did that all come together? You know what? That was, uh, I wrote that eight years ago. And uh, I was still drinking that. I've been sober since November 11, 2015. So, Congratulations. Uh, on that. Congrats on that. Thanks. I can't no, it's tough. Well, you know what? That, that, that's the whole thing. I say I live by the principles of AA, except my, my program's got a garden in it. And uh, that's, you know, the, the, the greatest thing. And, you know, self-awareness to whatever else. That's, you know, one of my big missions. I just launched a Darren McCarty brand, you know, here yep. and, and different things just to be part of it. But uh, um, what was the question? <laughs> hey, that, that probably gets into our next question. Uh, how about your medical marijuana? How about it, bro? I'm, yeah, I'm, you're, I'm, you're, you're I'll, killing I'll it in the pop business right now with your own brand. So uh, tell us all about it and how did it start? Well, the Darren McCarty brand, um, in collaboration with Pin Canna, which is the largest seed to sale um, facility. It's a $220 million, 135,000 square foot facility. It's like it's, it's the most incredible place ever. I'll be there tomorrow morning because uh, the, the biggest thing that you guys will see coming into the market because it's e-commerce, which means it can be shipped all over, is, is my hemp roll-on, which tomorrow we're going to bless the batch because the, we've been working on this product because I believe the hemp is the conversation piece to bring everything in. Like if you look at everything in the Darren McCarty brand right now, there's three there's four pre-rolls that are out, and all of them have over 1% CBD in them, along with the THC. So it's from anything from a 2 to 1 to a 5 to 1 ratio, and it's, it's to get people to converse and to learn about their systems. And, you know, it's one of these things that, that, that cannabis saved my life. I would not be here without people in the cannabis business that cared for me enough to to induce Rick Simpson oil at about seven to 10 grams a day until I was, till I was done. I detoxed for about seven days. And when I woke up, I was free of the physical addiction. And I was like, so I got grateful and I, I got, you know, emotional. And then I got angry because I lied to. So it's just something that you'll continue that it's part of who I am. And the only way again, don't talk about it, be about it, and I can get stuff out. Like I said, my stuff is is made for me, right, that I've learned whatever else. So if you're an alcoholic and an insomniac, yeah, I give my shit a try. <laughs> so it's What's it, your favorite, it's, what's uh, your favorite uh, brain? Pre-98 Bubba Kush. Okay. I'm a huge land race guy. I'm a huge old school strain guy. Um but that's, you know, one of my, the, the Death Star, anything heavy like that. But, uh, yeah, I've been, you know what I've been into lately is, is the GMO. So the, the, the GMO and, and see the cookie strain or whatever, that's what, that's, I, you know, I enjoy that, but I'm more of an OG or, or, or a Kush guy. That, but, that cook, but, the strong hitters. <laughs> that cookie yeah. strain. The yeah, exactly. The, he the heavy hitters. Burner. The cookie strain, is that not by the hip-hop guy, Burner? Yeah, Burner. Yep, yep. Burner. So yeah. We've had a bunch of his friends on our show, too. We've been doing rap artists as well. Awesome. And uh, you're also killing it with your podcast right now, Grind Time. Uh, how did that get all started? 
Well, a great time with Darren McCarty. Um, when people say, what's that about? And I said, anything I want it to be. That's yeah. mine. That's mine. And, and, and the tough thing right now is because it, that's a personal, very personal thing, like as far as conversations and, you know, different things. And we'll, I'll cover every gamut or whatever else. But I also do, you know, there's another podcast. You, you check out uh, Wrestling with Sports that I do with Jason Kendall, a former catcher in the yeah, MLB, and Dimitri Young. Yeah, I do it with them. We talk wrestling. So oh, really? Talking, oh, dude, huge wrestling fan. So, oh, you're, so, hey, you're, you're a wrestling fan. I've been trying to get Brett the Hitman hard on here all fucking for the last three months we started this. Did you really? Our, yeah, our, was, our biggest names we've had on from wrestling was uh, we had Al Snow on and we had Earl Hebner on. Al, nice. Al, Al Snow, remember with the head? Oh, of course, of course. And, and then Earl Hebner, of course, was the referee that uh, fucked Brett the Hitman yeah, he Brett the Hitman hard on the Montreal screw job. I remember that. I yeah. remember that. We just did. Uh, we just talked to Eric Young, EY of oh. uh, Impact Wrestling. Yeah, I tried to get Eric. I tried to get Eric on the show too. He's a big hockey fan. Unbelievably huge. He's from. He's from Chatham, so I'm from Leamington, so it's like 45 minutes away. So, you know, a lot, lot of uh, he's. He's got a lot of the hockey mentality growing up and stuff like that. Um, but whatever, he's a great guy. Yeah, he actually, most wrestlers are. Yeah, he actually took enough time to actually reply to me. He said he was too busy right now. Um, hey, if you want to put in a good word for him. I will. I, I, I'll, 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 let, I'll let him know. Yeah, Eric Hazy needs a good word. I know. I, I need uh, a, we, I, I've, I've realized that. He needs a whole bunch of them. <laughs> hey, season three needs a WWF wrestler, and I don't have one yet, so. There you go. Hey, Darren, I can't thank you enough, my man. I really appreciate you taking your time today and talk to us, and uh, you had some fucking great stories. Yeah, We'd did. love to have you on again for sure. Yeah, no, definitely, boys. Hit me back up, and uh, you know what? I'll make sure that somebody here pays the uh, internet bill. Yeah, yeah. get some picture <laughs> working, right? Hey, guys, this is Darren McCarty four-time Stanley Cup champion of the Detroit Red Wings, and you're listening to Only Touching Greatness. Yeah, buddy. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, you Darren. Have a good stay, night. Stay hey, let's go touch. Canucks. Go Canucks. Hey. Have, a, have hey. a good night, man. Go smoke a fatty and watch the Canucks game. I will. Hey, go Canucks. Take care, buddy. All right. Later, guys.